Hi, everybody. This is Charlie Guarino. Welcome to another edition of Tech Talk SMB. This month, I'm very happy to be joined by Liam Allen, who is a, uh, a friend first, but he's certainly a very large figure in our IBMI community. Uh, Liam is an IBM champion and a, a consultant. He does help IBMI development teams transform their applications. And I've seen this firsthand. So I can speak to that personally. He's a huge advocate for Node.js, ILE, modern development tools, and things like that, open, open source technologies. And he's also a very big player in the community with uh, advocating the community spirit. And I really think he's made a significant uh, splash when he came on the scene about five years ago. And I'm really very proud to call him a friend first. What's most impressive to me is just his passion for technology in general and, and how he just so willingly and freely gives back to the community. So Liam, welcome to our podcast today. Howdy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. So Liam, we do have a, I do have a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but when I think of you lately, what comes to my mind is, um, is Node. I, mean, I just I kind of associate you associate you with this node and how you really are really running with that with that technology, especially on IBMI. But I think there are a lot of people who don't quite understand where that fits for them, what, what node actually is, what node actually is, and how it fits on our platform. So what can you say about that in general? Absolutely. So, I mean, there's a few points to be made. Um, I guess I'll start with the fact that, you know, it, it is... 80% of my working life is, is writing uh, TypeScript and JavaScript. So I'd spend most of my days in it now, which is great. Uh, a few years ago, it was more like 50%. And each year it's growing more and more. So I usually focus on how it can integrate with IBMI. So, you know, having uh, Node.js code, whether it's TypeScript or JavaScript, talking to IBMI via the database. So calling programs, fetching data, updating data, you know, the normal standard um, kind of driver type stuff that you do, CRUD, things like that. What I especially like about Node on IBMI is that what, it, it's made for high, you know, input and output. It's, it's great at handling large volumes of data and most people that are using IBMI tend to have tons of data, right? That's, you know, DB2 has been around, DB2 for I has been around for centuries at this point. You know, it's older than I am and I can make that joke. No one else can make that joke, but I can make it. And, um, you know, it's been around for the longest time. And so people have got all of this data. And in my opinion, Node.js is just a great way to express that data to you know, via an API. Um, I think it, it's fast. It's got high throughput. And uh, yeah, it's asynchronous and it's, and it's standard and it's easy to use. It's easy to deploy. It's easy to write code for. It's especially one of the reasons I like it is the, is the fact that I can have something working within 20 minutes. You know, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic piece of technology and it's been out for a while. I mean, it's been out for like 10 years, 10 years plus at this point. Um, it's really, it's just fun to use. I really enjoy it. And I encourage other people to use it too. And I, I have to concur with you on that, Liam, because I, I've seen you develop code right in front of my own eyes in Node. And I, I'm just amazed how quickly 
things just just appear. I mean, I was really blown away by that. So would you think, I should say, would you say, and there are so many other languages or technologies out there that open source, there's obviously Python and PHP come to mind also, but what is it about, is, if you could say, I mean, you've already said some cool things about Node, but is there one defining point about Node that you would say that really sets it apart from the other open source technologies that are available for developers? A good question. What I guess one thing that I haven't mentioned yet, and it's probably my favorite part, is definitely the integration and the amount of open source packages that there are that you can utilize within your application. So something that I've been working on as of late is PDF generation and Excel document generation um, from an API. So for example, just as of late, I'm building you know an API that generates both a PDF and an Excel document uh, from a from a list of orders um, for a client, and doing that in Node is is fast. You know, it, the the TypeScript code for it is is small, and um, it can be ugly, but it, if you do it right, it can be very clean and manageable. And I just like that. I mean, at the end of the day, there's so many packages available, and you know, um, like for example, if you use Open API, there's a really great module for utilizing that package that sorry utilizing that schema that you define um, and use it as a validator in your api so you can define the apis um, in the schema in your open api schema and then utilize it in your web app for you know api validation for the requests and the response and I, that integration with all the modules is, is definitely my favorite thing for sure and you know the tool that i've seen you really go 100 miles an hour on is when you is, is the tool itself that you're using is the vs code i mean i've seen you i've seen you use that and I, I you're a wizard at that tell me maybe how that that plays a part in your you know rapid application development absolutely vs code is is a wonderful piece of technology i i wouldn't write and i suspect this is the same for a lot of people but wouldn't write any typescript or javascript without VS code because, um, well, not only does it have, you know, the syntax highlighting as you would expect, but it has a vast amount of extensions. So, you know, there's an, there's an extension for ESLint, uh, which is a code formatter and syntax checker. It does a magnitude of things, but it's a great piece of functionality that VS code has. Um, it has something called, another good example is something called Funder Client. Um, that's, it's basically Postman, but it's, embedded in VS code. And I love that. I love keeping everything in the editor. It's my favorite thing, but there's so much integration and it, you know, debugging it actually has integrated debugging for TypeScript and JavaScript. And it's, it's just a fantastic tool to, to know and utilize when writing these kind of apps, you know, I, I'd be lost without it. That's for sure. You know, it has all the refactoring it, it knows your project structure. It, it really is a gorgeous piece of technology technology. I would be so lost about it. So definitely a and, big fan. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, your own project that you've been working on with VS Code, of course, and that's the uh, the RPG that you've been working with on VS Code. T tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's an extension. So again, it's not, you know, it's, it's not a separate product. You, if you have VS Code, it's just an extension you can install. And really all it does is it just adds the ability to 
connect to the IBMI, open source code, change it, you know, edit the code as you'd expect, compile it. It does all the basic necessities, but it also has lots of cool things like it has the outline view for RPG and COBOL, you know, um, the peak definitions and the go-to definitions where go-to references, you know, all of the, the content assist works for RPG and COBOL, for example, um, as well as in the future, there'll be some excellent SQL tools coming out. Um, you know, it, it, the idea behind the extension and other extensions that work alongside it is just to enhance the, the development lifecycle for I'd be my developers, you know, that's really the goal for that extension is to make development like fun and easy again. That's, and oh, it's fast too, but that's, uh, that's the goal with it really. Let's get back to the node because I, 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 I still think there's still a lot of newbies, even the most seasoned RPG developers are still newbies and open source makes them nervous perhaps because they, it's, it's, it's a whole different paradigm of the, the whole different vernacular, everything about it is different. Yet, obviously there's so many similarities, but it's just the, the terminology is very different. Let's go, let's focus back on Node for a minute. Give me some, give me, you mentioned it already, but give me some other ideas or some examples of how, how somebody could use Node. I mean, I guess the question is, it integrates quite well with RPG. Would you use it to replace RPG or would you, would it coexist nicely? It definitely coexists nicely. So, um, you know they they are effectively in their own environment as you can probably imagine but the easiest way for a node application to talk to rpg is definitely through the database because you know a node app whether it's in javascript or typescript can utilize odbc to talk to db2 and of course db2 has very very easy access to rpg programs cobol programs any any application any program service program you have can be called through DB2, which means it can be utilized from your node environment. And, and of course, that also applies to PHP, Python, so on and so forth. But um, what specifically stands out for the, you know, the Node.js side is that writing TypeScript and JavaScript is is quick. You know, you get, st you get stuff done quickly. Um, that plays a major role in it, I would say. And I've, I've seen uh, these open source technologies, I guess Node in, included in this discussion, used in some of the newer emerging technologies. Like for example, IoT comes to my mind immediately. I know there's a lot of cool things happening in that space. And uh, I know you specifically uh, have been dabbling in that. And even in your personal life, you, you have some IoT devices. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, about that? Absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll just make this time to point out that I absolutely hope that we can see more IoT content from you as well in the future. Okay. That would be excellent. <laughs> I've written it down already. Good, good. Uh, so, um, yeah, so what's really cool about Node.js is that it plays really well in the IoT world, Charlie. And I guess you know this already, but Node-RED is a huge player in IoT. You know, whether it's IBMI whether, or whether it's any platform, Node-RED can absolutely be a driver in connecting IoT devices. Um, and and you everyone probably knows this, but Node-RED does run on IBMI. People are using it. I've seen it with being uh, dashboards being built with it. It's a it's a really cool tool. Um, I know Matt Seberger has written a bunch of stuff about Node-RED on IBMI. Would absolutely recommend that you check it out. From my own experience, I've only had the pleasure of kind of using it at home. I have a, a very fancy electric kettle 
Um, and it has a dial on it where you can change the temperature uh, as well as turn it on and off. But you can actually connect it up to the network and, you know, it, that's the, it actually is a Raspberry Pi, you know, inside. Um, so I've got it hooked up and I can turn it on and off. I can, you know, change the temperature. So, it, you know, I can set it, for example, it's eight in the morning. So I, I, I might pre-fill it the night before and I can set up a, something in Node Red that says, oh, it's eight in the morning. I'm due to wake up at, you know, 10 past eight. Why don't I have it turn on automatically and set it to a temperature that I want to? And when it reaches a certain temperature, I can get that from the device and then say, turn the kettle off and just let it sit there, let the hot water sit there. You know, I can do that. That's all IoT. That's a small device talking to another device. And, you know, imagine if I had a coffee shop and I wanted to control all of my coffee machines automatically, which believe it or not, apparently people do. Um, you could do that through IoT. That's that's the, the, the only use case I've had for it so far. Um, I haven't had the pleasure yet of using it too much, but it's really fun. It is fun. Yeah, IoT so. has really been one area that I've been doing a lot of exploring on myself. And I know it's very, very highly used in manufacturing, distribution, things like that. But I also, for my studies on it, it's, it's turning things on and off and checking different conditions or different statuses is important. But really, I, what I've been seeing is the real value of that is when you look at it over a, moment, a, a period of time, you can, start, you can start making predictions based on that. So I think that's where the future is. I, I can see how Node would play into that space very nicely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you had tens of hundreds of sensors that was just collecting data all the time, you could you could average out and learn so much about how things work and there's so much potential there. I really do wish I had the potential to actually use it. Sometimes I'm kind of jealous, actually, of people that get to do IoT. So that's pretty cool. It's a cool technology for sure. Yeah. Well, the fact that you even have your kettle going on and off is really amazing. It, it, it's it's a simple example, but it it just speaks to how many devices there are in the world. I think my last count, I think it was like 40 billion. I think was the number I heard. Yeah, and, and you, I mean, you know, the most basic uh, IoT device that actually a lot of people have is, is is a Philips Hue. You know, it's a little computer inside of a inside of a light bulb that connects to the Wi-Fi, and you can treat it as an IoT device. You know, and uh, that's that's something that a lot of people have. And when they control the light from their phone, that is IoT right there. You know, in their own home, and they don't even know it. The term, and that's a really fun one as well. Is obviously playing with the lights. So yeah. I could actually have it. So, you know, when my kettle is done boiling, I'm going to trigger it to turn the light on in my bedroom. So it knows I need to wake up and, you know, take the kettle off. You know, I, there's a lot of cool little things how it could work. And yeah, it's really neat. And that's just the start of it. You know, we have so many other home appliances that connect washing machines, refrigerators, ovens. Air conditioning, you know, there's so like, I mean, air conditioning has kind of done it for a while. You know, you have uh, temperature gauges in your house and if it gets too hot, then it will whack the ac on you know that's really just the start of iot isn't it so it's fun and exciting challenge well i can hear how excited you are about this topic it obviously it speaks to um your passion which actually i, I do want to talk about that because you know the years that i've known you I, I can i you just ooze passion about technology in general and programming and it's something that i've always admired about you it, it really it's it, it just anybody who speaks to you and that, that, that just comes across so clearly and one of the things that i i really 
admire about you is this, you know, I think your passion, but you're also how willing you are to give information away. So freely giving it away. And um, the community is so much better off, I think, because of what you've contributed. But I know community is so important to you. And, and what, tell me about your commitment or why you feel so strongly as you do to give back to the community. That is a hard question to answer, actually. Uh, um, I think the passion comes from maybe being an extrovert. And I think it's definitely got to do with that because if I can give back to the community and I can have that engagement, it definitely fulfills me. Like being able to help people is a fulfillment in my life. You know, I, and tech, and of course, if I can help people and help people with technology, the, you know, something that I think I can do. Okay. You know, I can bring those two worlds together. Then I'm, I'm all for it. I, I just love the feeling that I get when I get to help people. And when I, you know, when I get to help to teach people and then, but what I get from helping other people is that other people help me, you know, teaching other people is almost just like you're learning about them and what they can offer you as well. It's, it's actually, you know, a learning experience. Helping others is a learning experience almost all the time. And that's, kind of why I like open source. So it's like, I have this idea and I'm going to put it out as open source because I hope maybe I'm helping someone else, but someone else can offer me an improvement and I'm learning from their improvements, you know, on stuff that I've made freely available. And I, and I love teamwork and I, you know, I love working together. I love bringing people together. Um, I guess that's why I just, I really enjoy working with other people, you know? It's great, great That's feeling. That's the funny thing about goodwill. You can never get rid of it because the more you give, the more you keep getting back, right? Uh, it's true. Yeah. I, I, open source has definitely um, changed my life. I mean, a, a lot of the work that I do is working in open source technologies and, and actually writing code that ends up being open source. You know, it's one of the pleasures that I have in my life. So, you know, speaking in, the, in that same spirit, of community engagement, things like that. I know one thing that you were very proud of, rightly so, is last year we had this online event I know you hosted, or you, you created, I should say, but you hosted it as well. T- tell everybody what it is and maybe about the success of it. Okay, are you referring to uh, the Twitter Spaces event? Yes. That was hosted. So re- I really what it was, and it, it was totally informal. You know, a month prior, I made a, a little landing page and I was like, yeah, we're going to have a bunch of people come onto this Twitter space and and I'll I'll talk about Twitter spaces in a moment, but it was just a bunch of people that came on and spoke about what cool stuff they're doing with IBM. I, so I, you know, we had Alan Sidon on, um, King Harrison, uh, came on as well. Um, Jesse even came on and, you know, and what was cool about it is that it was informal. You know, I, I was just, it was on my, cellular device and we just we just chatted for a few hours between us you know the four of us on and off and um what was really cool about that is how easily accessible it was so yeah we hosted it on twitter but you nobody needed an account to listen um and that's why i like the fact that it's it's accessible now twitter spaces is a really really great piece of technology that's only just sort of come out in the last year more publicly. Um, but what it is, it's, it's like a, a room 
where you can have up to 10 speakers and you can have as many listeners as you want. And it's a great space for having open discussion and getting opinions from different people. And it, it's a really great piece of technology. And we had, I think we've reached a peak of 200 or so, maybe just over 212. Um, but I loved that it was accessible and it turned out really great. We got some excellent feedback and I really do hope that we can do another one as well. And yeah, that would be excellent if we did. I have a feeling that that is going to happen. I, I, I know you, I know, <laughs> I know how much you like to give back and how exciting these events are to you. So I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure if, if, if that can get pulled off, it will get pulled off for sure. Yeah, no yeah. My, there's no question in my mind. Yeah, for sure. I, I think something that I would like to try this year is yeah, while we'll have kind of pre-organized speakers, I would like to do kind of the panel type discussion because what you can do is you can invite a, a listener to speak and they could ask a question and then we could have the panel answer it, you know, and I want to maybe bring that interaction with the, the, uh, the listeners in. I think that's my goal for this year, bring that interaction to the, to the event. So, yeah. So, well, I can't wait to hear it. I know it's going to be a great event when next time you host it. So I'm looking forward to that if and when let's, let's switch gears here and talk about some of the other, um, some of your favorite technologies. I, I know we, we uh, the few times, yeah, the few times we talk about the technology, you and I, one thing that comes up often is uh, open API. We, you know, that's something that we, that comes up quite often. For those who may not exactly know what that is, I mean, I, there, there was the old term swagger comes to mind also with open API, but tell me more about that. You know, if I'm a complete newbie, tell me more about open API and why it might be, why is it so relevant to you and to anybody who might be getting into this, into this space? Absolutely. So there are two viewpoints to this. There is the developer viewpoint, and also it can be used from a business viewpoint. And really what you can consider it is documentation for how your API should work. Um, so I'll use a prime example, just four months ago, started with a brand new client and they wanted to build new Node.js APIs, and most of it was for inventory listing and making a purchase. So they could actually put in um, a purchase order through an API. Now, before we did any development, I sat down with the front-end team, which was two people, and what we did was we documented everything that they needed from the back-end. So, of course, they needed you know, APIs to get... Um, pages of inventory okay so um, that would you know give them a list you know 20 items at a time for example and then we there'd be another api for getting a specific item which may have more detailed information then there'd be another api for placing the order just as an example now what's cool is i can take the information that they've given me before i've written any code and i can document how these APIs should look, you know, what the inputs are in the request, what the JSON body needs to look like. And then I can also document what the output is. Um, so then the front end people know what to expect, you know, from the API. Again, this is before I've done any development. Then what is really nice is I can take that API, that specification that I made, the schema, if you will, and um, I can take it now, I can generate basically an express app you know, from that document, I don't even have to write any code to get the groundwork done for me based on the documentation that I created in the specification. Now, following that, 
I can also use the specification as the API validator. So for example, if I've built an order API, you know, the JSON body may have to include a list of items that they want, the quantity that they that they also want, and maybe a shipping address and things like that, Stripe information if they're making a payment. Um, and I can I can use my specification from within my node app to validate the request. So if it's missing a quantity somewhere or it's missing shipping information, my specification is going to catch it before it even touches my code. So I can actually not only use it for documentation, but I can also use it for validation. That's why it's powerful because it can be used in both ways now. And I think that adding that extra layer of validation that the developer doesn't have to worry about really, really makes life easy for everybody. And I think that that is fantastic. I think making stuff easier for the developers and for the front end team in one snap is great. I, I, of course, it's great to have documentation too. It's great to get everyone on the same page before you write any code. Open API has, and I've used it for every project now, every one of them, um, if there's APIs involved. Absolutely. It's a fantastic piece of technology. So how about we continue the discussion? Because uh, we talk about APIs and we, we mentioned open API, but then of course, the other technology that I know kind of relates into the same discussion is GraphQL, right? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's that also I think is gonna be another new term for many developers who are you know new to this space. So tell us what GraphQL is. I mean, I'm looking on the website right now, the, the main page is a query language for your API. What does that mean exactly? Absolutely. So. Um... Let's go for an example, okay? You have a database. And usually what you would do to call that database is you would write an SQL statement. For example, you know, you do a select all from, you know, departments and then join on the employees and you'd get information about those things. You know, you'd write an SQL statement. That's a query language. Um, GraphQL is its own kind of query language in, in theory. So, um, I can say I want the department's model and I want the department ID, the department name. I want this, that, the other from the department, but also I want all of the employees that's in that department. And I write it in a simple query. I don't have to do any joins. It will do all of the joins for me, you know, under the hood. It does all of the work for you. Um, but it's really just a different way of accessing the data from your database. Um, and then what's really nice about GraphQL is the tooling for it is great. So there are GraphQL clients for the front end. Uh, there are GraphQL clients for the back end. There's express integration and, it, and uh, there's validators for it. And it's, it's really nice. Now, in terms of, you know, DB2, it can get more complex because there isn't, there isn't generally a lot of support for DB2. Um, and there's a magnitude of reasons why. It's mostly because, you know, each different database has a different version of it, you know, SQL, the way that they run their queries. Um, and so, and maybe, the, I hope this is okay, but I actually have written a blog post about how you can use GraphQL with DB2. You know, you basically, the developer would define the schema of your database in GraphQL and then, it lets you use GraphQL queries to, to get the data out of your database. 
and the and the blog post that I'm talking about actually uses the departments and employees example. Um, but it's just a different way of getting data out of the database, really. Um, and it's model based instead, and it's it's really really fantastic. Um, it's really point, nice. I should point out that if you want to really if you want to follow Liam, he has a lot of great posts on Twitter. And his handle is uh, Notes of Barry. That's a good. That's a good um, handle. And I think if you follow that, you'll find a lot of useful information on there. I also know Liam, you're a big contributor to GitHub, and you put a lot of you put a lot of things on GitHub as well, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So even the GraphQL stuff I was talking about, um, you know, my blog is also hosted on GitHub. But the code, the actual example code for um, GraphQL is also hosted on GitHub. So that's where you would find it. And I believe my handle on that is works of Liam. So I'm not quite in line, but, uh, but yeah, you know, everything I do pretty much ends up on GitHub. Uh, I'm, I have nothing to hide. I am a contractor by trade and, and, and as, as someone who's in my line of work, you know, sharing is caring, you know, I stuff that I learn, I, again, as I said earlier, I love to share and learn more from, and I've only really benefited benefited from being part of the open source um, world, really. So lots of stuff that I do ends up on GitHub. Yeah, it's a really fantastic uh, website. It's a great tool. It's great for the community as well, the open source community. It's like the de facto place for open source projects these days, you know? So it's really great piece of work. Liam, the final thing I want to talk to you about before we kind of wrap this up, is um, just speaking in general. I, I know this is a, a, a bent, another passion of yours, speaking, speaking in person, I should say, to the community, meeting, getting out there and meeting everybody. And uh, it's important. It's important for all of us who love to do that, to actually to, to do that. And this is, it's been a rough couple of years, obviously, not being able to do that. So uh, first of all, I would just say, if anybody has an opportunity to see Liam in action at a conference, wherever that might be, I encourage you to attend one of his sessions because they're, they're, they're always a lot of fun. And he does a lot of live demos. But what do you what do you want to just say to the people who are considering going to a conference, maybe? Or how do you feel when you're at a conference? And what I can see, what, I mean, I can see what it does to you. It, it, it makes you even more excited. But what, what are your what goes through your head when you get an opportunity to speak in front of a large group of people? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you can kind of compare it to doing open source. You know, it. You know, I'm. Much like open source, I'm there to share information with you and also learn from you. You know, while I give a talk and you know I do a demo of something that I'm working on, for example, you see something, but you may actually say, you may think, "Huh, I think that's cool," but I know a different way that it could work too, and I could learn from you on that. So, while I love to give the experience to teach, it's also the time for me to connect and learn about you and you know what your need. You know, as someone that is mostly, you know, person focused, it's a good time for me to just talk and get a general vibe and maybe learn about what other people are working on. And um, that's the best part for me, you know, and, and you know, I love it. And uh, uh, Charlie and I had met, I think, for the first time in a little while last year in California. We hadn't seen each other for a, a little bit, obviously, due to uh, COVID. And it was great. I mean, it was we hadn't seen each other in the longest time. And I think it, it was a very happy feeling. And it, it was fantastic to see friends that you haven't seen in such a long time. And yeah, it was, and of course in California, it's 
gorgeous place to be. But yeah, I love I love speaking just to see people. Really, that's the that's the crux, really, is isn't it of it all? A people person. People person. <laughs> that that's <laughs> for sure. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's. Um wrap it up there we've been you, know, I, you blink your eyes and 30 minutes goes by so quickly isn't it amazing oh blimey yeah yeah liam what else can i tell you this is uh it's always a treat to see you and i, I can't wait to see you in person again this year I'm, i think this, this is going to be the year to do that i think we are booked at a couple of conferences i hope to be uh, together again so that'd be nice to see you in person of course but um I just want to say thank you for your time, of course, and thank you for your passion and all you do for the community. I know so many people, um, you know, they, they speak your name and then just what always follows that is just how giving you are and things you've, things you put out there. The content you put out there is really amazing. One last question I, I do want to ask you, because a lot of these technologies are so new to everybody, what, what would be your final advice to somebody who is just considering going down this road or, um, thinking considering it or is is it is it a big mountain to climb or is it something that they can just kind of get into fairly easily yeah um so one if you're going to do node.js you you've made the right choice in my opinion it's the easiest thing to get started with and there are so many tutorials online for javascript there are so many and typescript is the same you can even do tutorials in your browser. You know, you don't have to even download VS Code. You can learn JavaScript and understand Node.js just from doing interactive tutorials online. Uh, I think that's a great way to get started. If you really just want to get your feet wet and see, you know, what what what's happening, what's the situation, you can do it in a browser these days, you know. I would recommend that to everybody. And of course, the next step is getting VS Code and getting Node.js installed locally and having a go. But there, it's so easy to get started. Do not be afraid. Um, yeah, it's it's so easy. A couple of clicks away. And you have the community to help you. Absolutely. I mean, I would help. If anyone needs help, please do not hesitate to reach out on Twitter and send me a DM. We'll sort it out. Great. I'd love to help. And also, I'd like to just add, all those things that you were just saying about me, it could definitely go both ways. You know, you, you do so much for the community now and you know, it, I don't take that for granted. You, you, you carry a lot on your shoulders and high chime is a lot of work and you do a great job of it. So, you know, appreciate you as well. Well, thank you for that. That was uh, totally unsolicited. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Thank you for those kind words, of course. All right, let's leave it there. Liam, always a pleasure. Um, I, I do look forward to seeing you again in person, as we said. Um, and I just, I'm more important, I just, I just look forward to uh, watching you, watching your success in, in our community. It's, it's, a, it's a great asset to all of us. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. And thanks for the many kind words. Sure. All right, everybody, that kind of wraps up our podcast for this month. I look forward to Speaking to you again next month, keep in mind, there's always some great things on Tech Channel. Make sure you check out what they have to offer. They have a lot of great resources on there and really worth your time. And with that, we'll wrap it up. Thanks very much, everybody. Take care now. Bye-bye.